This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 67 of Retired Racehorse Radio on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, Cashel Company, and Arena Saddles. Retired Racehorse Radio is your guide to the adoption, care, and training of the retired racehorse, brought to you in cooperation with the Retired Racehorse Project and New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program. Today, we speak with 2020 and 2021 Thoroughbred Makeover Champions, Lindsay Partridge and Laura Sloan, on their preparation for and experiences at the first ever Mega Makeover. Leandra Cooper from New Vocations joins us for another tip and introduces our Adoptable Horse of the Week. Our Listener of the Week is at The Big Red Horse. If you'd like to be our Listener of the Week, make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Now back to the show. And they're off on Retired Racehorse Radio, the podcast that is your guide to the adoption, care, and training of the retired racehorse. This is Jamie Jennings, and I'm in Norman, Oklahoma. And this is Joy Orr in Detroit, Michigan, and you're listening to Retired Racehorse Radio. Joy, how's life in Detroit, Michigan with your horses? Cold. <laughs> Already? It was oh, just yeah. hot. We had snow. We had snow last night, and it's the beginning of November. Luckily, it all melted. But, Jamie, before I complain about, because I'll be <laughs> honest, we're going to be complaining about cold weather up until May. So, y'all get ready for it. Send your complaints <laughs> to Jennifer at horseradionetwork.com. But I'll tell you about my mare and her shenanigans that she pulled oh these last few weeks. So I've always prided that my mare has never been marish. She's never been grumpy, never had real heat cycles, not real interested in boys. Like when people ask, Oh, would you breed her? I'm like, I'm pretty sure she wouldn't even know what was happening. And I think she'd lose her foal in the field. Like wouldn't know where it was. Like where to go? I don't yeah, care. Like that's just <laughs> not where she is. So like, yeah, she's easy. It's fine. She's been around geldings and everything. When we moved to this new eventing barn, she met the love of her life. Oh, no. Yes. I mean, how exciting. Yes. <laughs> he is like a 17-hand jet black Percheron cross named Snoop mm. Dogg. He sounds sexy. Yes. <laughs> so sexy, in fact, that she decided to jump the fence in the middle of the night and go be with him. Oh, you can't stop love, Joy. I know. Well, I stopped it with a hot wire. So <laughs> <laughs> no we more love. the love out. <laughs> you have shut down your horse's heart. Yeah. You know, it's funny. There's some, some horses. There's one. I had three thoroughbreds come in for training this week and they don't know each other. The two mares know each other. And there was a gelding put on the trailer with them as well. So they come here and I unload the gelding and then I unload the mares. And that gelding was like, where are they? <laughs> he has been like, you cannot calm him down. He is just very obsessed with these mares. I'm like, you don't even know them. You don't even, you haven't had time to fall in love with them. But apparently your mare got over the fence. Mine did, one of them did get kind of wiggle the fence. And so now everything is like double tied and all that. But I was asking my vet about that. I said, you know, what happens when some geldings just really love mares, because I'm assuming this gelding mm -hmm. Snoop Dogg loves your mare as well. Eh. 
to go with or without her. <laughs> I well, I asked her, I said, I said, what do you, what do you do? Like, wh- why do some horses, some geldings love mares so much? And he was, my vet goes, well, some men are assholes. <laughs> I was like, Okay. Sounds good. Yeah. I mean, some of them just don't learn to use the other brain that God intended for them. So I was talking to his owner and I was like, he is obsessed with these mares. By the way, they're on opposite sides of the farm now. So they can't even sniff noses over the fence because it was out of control. But I said, he's just obsessed with mares. And they go, we know he's been gelded since he was six months old. And we always laughed. What would you do if you even got over there? Nothing. I know. That's the other thing. I'm like, I, I'm looking at her. She's like winking at him. She's flaunting yes. her eyes. She's like, oh, I love you, Snoop Dogg. And I'm like, what What would he, what would you do? What would you, what what would you, you he do? Can't, he can't do anything. He doesn't know what to do. He's just looking at you like you're crazy. Horse behavior is funny and you just never know when love is going to strike you. Let this be a lesson to you. You never know when the right man is going to walk into your life and completely ignore you, apparently, and you're going to fling yourself over the fence to get to him. I mean, we've all, been, we've all been 16, Jamie. We've all acted like that. <laughs> I'm thinking of some now. <laughs> Fortunately, we grow up and we move on. So we'll get your mare on the right track. How we can get her on the right track is talk to the people over at Kentucky Performance Products. I mean, dude, if that wasn't a segue, like to end all segues, I don't know what is. All right, let's take a listen to our title sponsor <laughs> at Kentucky Performance Products. This Nutrition Minute is brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, the company that simplifies your search for research-proven nutritional supplements at kppusa.com. The horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products. Managing horses can be challenging. Each horse's personality affects the way he behaves and reacts to the world around him. Horses with certain dispositions can be at higher risk for developing health problems than others. High-strung or excitable horses are easily stressed, but so is the timid, quiet warrior. Stressed horses are more likely to develop digestive upsets that lead to colic, diarrhea, and ulcers. Nalox Advanced was specifically developed to support a digestive tract that is under stress. It sustains proper pH levels, reducing the incidence of ulcers and hindgut imbalances, while simultaneously supporting the healing of damaged tissue. Nalox Advanced supports the complete digestion of starches and sugars and sustains populations of beneficial bacteria. Make life a little easier on your sensitive horse and start him on Nalox Advanced today. To learn more about the ingredients in Nalox Advanced, visit Kentucky Performance Products at kppusa.com. Jamie, we've had some time with all the makeover contestants getting home safe and sound, having some time to recoup, which I know how much that takes uh, (laughs) from a personal experience. But we have our 2020 champion, as well as the winner of the Freestyle and Competitive Trail Divisions, Lindsay Partridge on with us. Lindsay is not, you know, a secret to the horse world. She's been out there at the Retired Racehorse Project, multiple competitions. I believe she's also competing in some Mustang competitions as well. Lindsay has been riding and training horses almost her entire life, is the founder of Harmony Horsemanship, and her horse, Thunderous Affair, really took the 2020 makeover by storm this year. So welcome to the show, Lindsay. Thanks for having me. Of course. So before we dive into kind of working backwards of training a racehorse 
into his second career during a pandemic for this makeover. How are you feeling after a few weeks home after all of it's complete? Well, I didn't really get that rest you guys were talking about. We got (laughs) home and then that following weekend, we went to the provincial championship for extreme cowboy racing where Alicia actually brought home the champion buckle. So she won the futurity division there. And then now I'm down in Texas at the world competition for extreme cowboy racing with my Mustang and my little quarter horse. Where do you get this energy and where can I buy it? Is that on Amazon? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I think I just want to live life to the fullest and don't want to miss anything even for a second. Oh, that's absolutely amazing. It shows how much heart and you know, passion you have for competing horses and bringing them along and giving them second chances and second careers. So speaking of that, how did you find Thunderous Affair and how did you know that was going to be your makeover horse? I was reaching out to some of the different thoroughbred rehoming agencies. I like to go through those guys. They make it a lot easier when you're bringing a horse off the track. They can tell you if they've got any injuries, they can tell you what their racing history was like, and they can just make it a lot simpler. So I went through Cantor and Cantor, Michigan is the closest one to me mm-hmm. being in Ontario, Canada. So Lucy was, she looked like a dark bay at the time, although I knew she was going to gray out. And I wanted to have a nice big horse, like with jumper potential. I usually kind of take horses of any size, any color, anything. But for whatever reason, all of my gray thoroughbred mares turn out to be something special. I don't know what it is about me with gray thoroughbred mares, but my first one in 2015, she won the 2015 thoroughbred makeover. My 2016 gray mare, Trivia Time, she won champion in uh, trail and freestyle. And so I don't know, when it was a gray, tall thoroughbred mare, I thought, oh, that's probably good luck for me. So let's give it a go. But I buy all my horses sight unseen. I don't go see them. I just do um, off a picture and jog videos and just kind of off of their history. And so I decided to work with her. And every other makeover year, I've always brought two horses. But Mm -hmm. uh, after 2019, having a brand new baby with Mm -hmm. two horses in the finals and four disciplines, I said, that is way too much. I'm not doing that again. I'm only bringing one horse. And I come back. So this time I had uh, a new baby. She's only three months old. Jesse oh turned three gosh. months old on the Monday after the makeover and only one horse. It was a lot easier. It was a lot more relaxed and I've already got my horse for next year. <laughs> Amazing. I mean, that is a lot on your plate, but again, you are, you're not shy to doing all that and impressing everyone in the midst of it. And it so, begs the question, is your next horse a gray thoroughbred mare? Mm-hmm. It is not. It is not. I, um, I went with a dark day gelding. He came from turning from home and I was just looking for kind of a different horse to work with. And so he's actually, they call him too scared to race. He he didn't actually race, but not because he was too slow. They literally could not get him in the racing gate. So he should be fun to work with, but I think my confidence building work that I do with horses and the trust work I do will hopefully bring about the best in him. So I'm excited. I haven't met him yet. He's down in Florida waiting for me when I get down there for this winter. Amazing. And I want to jump into how you prepped for the 2020 makeover, had a pause and all of that, but buying sight unseen, I think, especially during the pandemic that we had, and we saw a record number of horse adoptions, a lot of people were buying sight unseen. Do you have best tips and tricks for someone who might be looking at a horse who's not locally available? 
Uh, for me, the best thing I would say is just reach out to those rehoming agencies because whether it's cancer or turning from home or new locations, they all are great agencies to work with. They, they're honest about the horses. They can give you a, some insight into what they're like or if they have any rehabbing needs or anything like that. And they make it really seamless and easy to find a horse. So that's how I would recommend doing it. And that's what I do for my guys. And through all the makeovers, I've always bought Sight Unseen. And, uh, but for me, it doesn't matter as much because I compete in field hunters, trail, freestyle, ranch. It doesn't really matter to me what discipline the horse does. So I get them home, I train them, and then I figure out what they're best suited for, and I go in that direction. Whereas for somebody else who maybe only does jumping or only does barrel racing or something else, you might be a little bit more picky about what you're looking for. Uh, but for me, I think I get away with a little bit, like not caring as much what they look like they're well-suited for, because I just bring them home and, and let them tell me what they're going to do. Wonderful. That's excellent advice. Going back to Thunderous Affair, you really just like swept the floor clean with your competitions. You not only won the makeover, but you also won the freestyle and competitive trail divisions. When you initially got Thunderous Affair, were you planning on doing definitely two disciplines or were you kind of letting the horse pick where they were to go? Was there some influence of having the extra time? How did this all happen? Yeah, so usually I've always done two disciplines when I go down. And so I knew I wanted to do two disciplines, but I didn't know what yet. I was limited a little bit because she was only um, four years old this year. So I knew I didn't want to go into the jumping disciplines because I just wouldn't have started her over fences as much. Mm-hmm. She wouldn't be well prepared for that. So I knew it was going to probably be ranch or trail, freestyle, um, something that's more fat-based, maybe dressage. She's just been so bomb-proof with the obstacles. Uh, she figured that stuff out pretty early on into our training. And for her confidence issues were more about being alone in these spaces uh, or she's very affected by other horses around her. So in 2020, we went to the Horse World Expo and she actually already did the big blue tarp routine, a version of it at that expo with another horse in the ring that did the routine with us because she didn't have the confidence to be in the ring by herself at that time. So she was already pretty awesome with um, with objects, with things moving. So I knew it was probably going to be ranch or trail that we'd end up in and doing some freestyle stuff. And then the pandemic happened. So mm-hmm. we couldn't really go anywhere and train her off-site, which was the biggest issue for her. Because at home, she started riding bridalists. She's just so smart. She's so smart, mm-hmm. so talented. And she knew a bunch of tricks. And we were already bridalist driving and doing all sorts of cool things. But we hadn't gotten to practice being off-site. So for us, canceling the makeover in 2020 was to our benefit because it had happened in Canada, virtually nothing was going on. So we would have no way to practice unless we went down to the state ahead of time to do things. And then I got pregnant, had a baby. So I actually stopped riding her around what would have been the makeover 2020. I stopped riding in November and, and didn't ride her again until after I had my baby two weeks after the baby. So August of 2021. Other oh than I think gosh. I got on to like walk her around just because my, I was like itching to be in the saddle. So I rode for all of like five minutes at the walk, but otherwise didn't do anything when everything was all from the ground. So we could bridle a stride and we could do a whole bunch of little cool tricks and things from the ground. 
Uh, but we hadn't been to any shows, hadn't done anything. So as soon as my baby popped and I gave myself two weeks, every single weekend, Saturday, Sunday, we were out at other four shows, other opportunities. Because literally the first show I took her to of the year, somebody mm-hmm. had to hand walk me around the trail course because she was that upset and anxious and threatening mm-hmm. to rear and buck. And when I was lunging her, literally leaping in the air with all four feet or mm-hmm. all four hooves up in the air, and just being so upset and emotionally distraught. And I knew it was something that we were going to have to work on. And it just needed repetition of positive experiences going off site. So we literally, Saturday, Sunday, every weekend, and it was only probably a week before the makeover that she finally went off site and rode like she does at home. And I was like, okay, phew, like we made it. We're going to be able to do this. Because otherwise I was having to spend a lot of time with her doing calm connection exercises, just getting her focused on me, getting her relaxed. And then it's like it clicked. Like a week before the makeover, she was like, okay, I got it. I'm going to go off-site. I'm not going to die. You're not going to sell me. We're not going to go racing. You just go and we do our same things that we do at home. And I was like, yay, finally. We can That's amazing. So that I think, a, yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. Well, I think there was kind of when they first announced the mega makeover, I think there was this kind of perspective of, well, the 2020 competitors have this extra time, this extra period where they get to train their horses. And even though you weren't competing against 2021, it felt like maybe there was that unfair advantage a little bit of how your horses would look versus 2021. But in hindsight, I mean, you did get that full extra time because you couldn't go out and travel. You couldn't take them to these extra shows it was really kind of the sit down time to do a lot of groundwork with your horses and do a lot of at home work. And then for you being pregnant as well, you also really crammed everything into a few short weeks before the makeover, that really heavy stuff that everyone's begging to get out there and go do. It just shows how versatile and how smart these horses can be. Mm-hmm. And really the, the main advantage I'd say having that extra year is her canner was much more developed from the groundwork mm-hmm. that I had done over the years. So we were able to have you know really nice halt canner halt transitions and be able to do a really slow collected canner and so I think in my freestyle we do a little half bridalist canner pirouette and that wouldn't have been possible in 2020 because we just wouldn't have had the muscle development then mm-hmm. but having that extra year we had a little bit more balance a little bit more precision. That's such an interesting perspective and gives people something to be excited about when they're retraining these horses too of where they can be because I think getting involved in the makeover and Jamie, maybe you can speak on this too. Like it is a rush to get your horse, to get their health, like get them healthy, any rehab you have to do. Then you have the retraining and trying to do it in about nine months. It feels like times constantly against you. It's all encompassing, especially what Lindsay was talking Mm -hmm. about, because I had the same issue with my makeover horse, which was when he traveled, he would get somewhere and was unglued. So he really had to spend a lot of time traveling and taking him on the trailer and going somewhere and coming home and going somewhere and coming home. So it really becomes all encompassing in your life. What amazes me is how Lindsay's able to do this. I don't know, with like Mustang at the same time, a thoroughbred (laughs) going on, like you got all She's really Wonder Woman. (laughs) Competition horses going on. And mine literally was like, 
a day. It like sucked my entire day just to try to get this guy acclimated to traveling. And so kudos to you. Cause that is the, the of all the That's things the you said, thing. I'm like, that was the hardest part for me. So my gosh, good job. Yeah, it's definitely the hardest part is making sure you spend the time. And I can't stress to people enough that going to one or two shows before you go to the makeover really isn't enough. If you want to set your horse up for success, you really got to take them out to lots of different places. And so that way, when they go to the makeover, they're just like, yeah, okay, no big deal. We've done this before. I hear the baby. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Three months old, getting her meal. Well, uh, congratulations to what you did and what you were able to accomplish. I know it's a, a challenge and what uh, good luck with uh, all your future travels too. It sounds like you, you haven't slowed down a bit. No, we're, we're making the most of it. We're excited um, to be back on the road doing different things. And in Canada, we get a year and a half maternity leave. So I'm like, all right, I got to make the most of it. I can travel, oh. I can go places, don't have to worry about vacation time. So I'm also a, a registered nurse. So that's what I do on my, that's my full-time job. So That's epic. What a great use of time too, to be with your horses and your amazing baby. And I've seen mm-hmm. photos from Kyle and she's precious. Yeah, it's definitely fun to have the family time. And down here in Texas, we're at Worlds and got my parents down here and my husband down here and both my daughters. And yeah, so it's fun. Go ride the ponies in the morning or and then we go have family dinner and just enjoy being with each other. So it's uh, definitely kind of like living my dreams. Well, it's fantastic. Well, best of luck to you and the future and all your current competitions and congratulations on the makeover. Awesome. Thank you so much. Cashel Company helps you enjoy the ride with their full line of trail bags and tush cushions. From cannel bags to horn bags and everything in between, comfort and convenience on the trail is what Cashel does best. To stay up to date with the latest products and news, follow Cashel Company on Facebook and Instagram. And to find their products, visit an authorized dealer or visit CashelCompany.com. I would like to welcome Laura Sloan to the show. Laura was the 2021 winner with For the Greater Good. Hey, Laura. How are you today? Uh, Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us. We, oh my gosh, it was a year of gorgeous gray thoroughbreds and you had an amazing looking (laughs) gelding. Tell us about For the Greater Good. We got him at the end of January last year. And well, there's a little bit of a story. I have been working for for this couple, a wonderful couple. I've been training fox hunters for 40 years. I have my colors with six different hunts. And I've hunted, I have them with Midland, Shake Rag, Loudoun West, Blue Ridge, Millbrook, and more. So I've trained a lot of hunt horses over the years. And uh, I started working for this couple. I had a big training barn in Virginia, and my significant other retired in 2017 and moved to Montana. And I did not want to go to Montana. So I had my a big training barn, but he had the house, the truck and the trailer and the tractor. And I was like, I'd have to buy all that stuff. So no, I shut it down. And a friend of mine told me about this couple who I knew, I had met them out, that they had a place in Millbrook, New York, and they had a place in Southern Pines, North Carolina. And they were looking for somebody to take care of their horses. And so I went down for an interview and I, they said, well, you're way overqualified. And I said, look, you want somebody to take care of your horses and not worry about them. And I want to have fun. And they said, hmm. yeah, that's true. And they said, that sounds like a good deal. And I want, I thought Millbrook, New York, which is like the most beautiful place I've ever been. And was a great place to spend the summer and the fall. And of course, Southern Pines, North Carolina is a wonderful place to spend the winter and the spring. So I took the job and the couple, they were in their eighties and Richard, 
My boss had been a master at Millbrook for 40 years and had hunted there and also hunting in Southern Pines at Moore County. And he hunted all the time. Well, last fall, you know, we hunted all the whole season. And then when we got ready to move, he started feeling bad. And in December, he turned out he had pancreatic cancer and he passed away. And on the day he died, his wife came to me and said, she knew I had judged the makeover in 2016 and I had told her about it. And we had talked about what we were going to do when he couldn't ride anymore because he was 87, but he was, he was, he was riding great and everything. And so anyways, the day he died, she came to me and she said, go find a horse. Let's do this. So I started looking for a horse and it's crazy because everybody's got horses and you have no idea what these horses are going to be like when they get into the real world. They're going to be idiots or they're going to be silly, whatever. And so I, we checked out a couple and they didn't really work out. And then finally I went on Facebook and I said, this is what I want. I want over five years old, over 16 hands and quiet. And a friend of mine in Virginia called me up and she said, you know, I just got this horse in and he seems pretty quiet. And I was like, okay, it's the end of January. And I'm kind of like getting a little desperate. I was like, I got to get a horse. (laughs) And I sent a friend of mine over to look at it. And she said, yeah, he seems fine, you know? So anyway, so we had him bedded and we bought him and I went up and picked him up and that was for the greater good. I really kind of liked his thing because he had bred and trained and raced by one owner, Donna Lockhart in Maryland. And so I liked that he hadn't been slept all around and things like that. And I didn't care that he was gray. I didn't care that he turned out after I clipped him, that he was beautiful. I was like, whoa, you're not a bad looking horse. And uh, <laughs> But he was very, he typical racehorse off the track, going around with his head up in the air and tight and everything. But he really was a good character and so many things that he could have been bad about and he wasn't. We were completely focused. Donna Varelli, who's the owner of the horse and who's my boss. I mean, we had a mission to go to the makeover. And first, the mission is don't embarrass yourself. Second is do well. Third is, hey, let's try to win. And then the fourth was like, let's win it all. Yeah. (laughs) So so anyway, we started out slowly, but he's in the trailer like five days a week. We were going to dressage shows, clinics, jumping events, hunter shows, jumper shows, cattle drives pony club camp, whatever we could do to get him out and expose trail rides and everything. And I realized that he's in, he was a fox hunter. I mean, he was, a, he was in the field hunter division, but mm-hmm. Moore County does not start hunting until the end of September. And I was like, well, I, there's no way I can have him hunting because he'll, all he'll have learned about one thing is crazy and he won't have had enough time to settle. So all I did was we hound walked and I took him roading and that was it. And and it worked. When he saw the hounds for the mock hunt, he was like, oh, this is boring. We're going for a hound walk. And I was like, yeah, that's right. You just keep thinking that. And I knew the things from judging it. I knew the, the challenges of putting young racehorses in an open field for an undersaddle. You say canter and everybody goes, they're off to the races. So we would go to little fun shows and do all those undersaddle classes, walk, trot walk, trot, go as you please. It's like, yeah, just keep going (laughs) until you get it. So anyways, the whole last eight months have have definitely been geared to go to the makeover. The big thing is about the makeover is it's preparation. You try to expose your horse to as much as you can. So when they get in that situation, they kind of go, okay, I can do this. 
Yeah, absolutely. And we were just talking to Lindsay Partridge about that, too, about how the preparation is get them in the trailer, get them going places, just get them to where they get like you said, they get there and they're like, huh, no big deal. All right. Yeah, cool. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this guy trot his his original name with the when his his breeder was Walter. But we kind of needed to change that a little bit and everything. And so, of course, Donna Varelli, she said, I really, it looks like he has bubbles, like champagne. So let's call him Dom Perignon. So his name's <laughs> Dom. It's not, I tell everybody, it's not Dom. It's Dom. Right. So, but Dom, I mean, he basically, every morning, he's like, what are we going to do today? He trots, he sees the trailer and he trots for the trailer. And when I don't ride and when he has a day off and I, take him out to the pasture and turn him back out after he's had his breakfast. He's like, well, well what do you expect me to do? Are you expect me to just <laughs> hang out here? I'm like, yeah, it's your day off. He's like, well, fine. He really likes going places. It could be a dressage lesson or it could be a jumping lesson or it could be a trail rider. It could be a hound walker, whatever. He likes all the variety. Do you see a lot of thoroughbreds in the field for fox hunting or is it? Absolutely. There really are, and there's a lot of hunts, whether it's Midland Hunt or in any of these hunts that are hunting with coyotes, you really like to have a thoroughbred. And I mean, I've trained a lot of thoroughbreds, and I've trained a lot of draft crosses. A lot of people, draft crosses are the perfect horse. But when you're on a coyote run, and they're, you really like to have a thoroughbred because you've got something that can go the distance without even worrying about it. That's and, fantastic. Um, That's fantastic. There, there's a lot of thoroughbreds. Yeah. It, it, these The hunts that really go, it's mostly thoroughbreds. Wow, that's awesome. Because I know that there's, I fox hunted in Kentucky a bit and up in Ohio. And those, everybody always liked those big, chunky horses, but they were also not drag hunts and they weren't coyote hunts. And yeah, you got to go. I mean, these guys, you you need somebody who's going to keep up the whole day. Yes. Yes. I used to gallop racehorses when I was in college and uh, we used to call it, they just get small. The other horses just, they're just gone and they just look smaller in the distance. So what are you doing with him now? Are you keeping him? Is he, have you sold uh, him? What is his plans? No, we are going to keep him and he's only six. So, so we can keep him four or five years or whatever. Well, Donna is 86. And so we'll just see what happens and stuff. But at the moment he's been out hunting twice and he thinks it's just kind of, we're just starting him in the third field. His main goal is going to be a fox hunter. And obviously, we're going to show him and probably do the derbies with him or event him. I mean, he can do everything. He's fun to do everything with. But my thing, because I am a you know a fox hunting trainer, I want him to be a really nice hunt horse. So we're just, he's out getting used to the dogs running around his, under his feet. And I think everything else is already going to fall into place because of what he's done. And he certainly stands at the checks really well because he's used to standing around. They go, well, he stands really well. I go, yeah, well, he's been to a lot of horse shows. (laughs) He's used to standing around. He's used to hurry up and wait. (laughs) Fantastic. Well, Laura, it's been just an absolute delight talking to you. You can just hear in your voice that you love this horse as well you should, being the 2021 Thoroughbred Makeover Champion. That's fantastic. And congratulations to all your connections. I know it was really special to win this. Well, it definitely, and it took a village. And the kind of fun thing is that the lady who won the 2020 Field Hunter Discipline is the master of Moore County Hounds, Cameron Sadler. And she also, we are both our horses, her horse Zapper and, and Dom, they've been to so many 
things together. We all, we were on the same plan and everything, but wow. she was lucky. She had an extra year. And I feel like, God, it'd be so nice to have a really made hunt horse to take to that. But Dom did, he did really well. I was very proud of, he put all the pieces together and did a good job and stuff. But but it's kind of fun that both horses that won the field hunter division for the two years were both came from Moore County. And I think that was pretty cool. I want to hang out with you guys when I get back into fox hunting (laughs) for sure. Well, (laughs) Well, hey, Laura, thank you so much for being on the show. And please give Dom a big old smooch on the nose from us here at Retired Racehorse Radio. I will. Thank you very much. Pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. Arena saddles are beautifully styled with meticulous attention to detail. Classically crafted from European leather, riders will appreciate the elegance and quality of arena saddles. Whether you're competing in dressage, jumping, a course, or riding on the trail, there is a perfect arena saddle for you. The arena all-purpose saddle has been carefully developed with you and your horse's comfort in mind with a balanced all-purpose seat, giving you support to move with your horse in total harmony. With saddles for every discipline priced at just $15.99, there is an arena saddle that's perfect for you. To view the full range of arena saddles or find a retailer, visit arenasaddles.com. Well, I'm so stoked to invite our, do we even call her a guest anymore? I mean, she's basically part of the Triple R crew at this point. We have Leandra Cooper from New Vocations joining us with another, well, not quite a training tip, but a helpful barn tip for your horse, as well as introducing our adoptable horse of the week. Welcome back to the show, Leandra. Well, thanks for having Of course. I'm sure it's been so busy getting ready for the holiday season down at New Vocations because everyone wants a Christmas pony. But before we get into all the amazing adoptable horses, I have a question for you as we're getting to chillier temperatures. How do you like to blanket your thoroughbreds? And do you think we have to blanket thoroughbreds? Well, that is a great question and one that we are hearing a lot of in this season, of course. And while there are a lot of different variables that factor into how your horse will be ideally blanketed, not blanketed, or just managed in general, kept comfortable, that depends on so many different things. But certainly, there is no reason to believe that every thoroughbred needs a blanket just because they're a thoroughbred. And I think that some of that comes from the fact that just as a breed in general, they tend to have thinner coat and thinner skin, which can also go towards the whole mindset that they're a little more sensitive and might get cut a little bit more easily, things of that nature. But a lot of what gets overlooked in that discussion of blanketing versus not blanketing really has to do with the way that we as people are influencing their coat, really, because they really all are very adaptable. And of course, some of that depends on time. So if you had some big winter storm come in dramatically and they don't have time to adjust, it can be fine to help them along in that. But with time and giving them the adequate conditions to adjust and a lot by that, a lot of that is just being a healthy horse. So if you have a horse who's dealing with a health condition or even ulcers or something else, they might just not have the same resources available to devote to having this, you know, very supple, ample coat for whatever the environment is, if it's a very cold environment. So you really have to consider things like that. But what I mean when I say the way that we influence their coats is that if you have a horse who is being brought in and groomed on a daily basis, and that might be for riding or maybe you just like to love on them, but if you are taking away some of their natural 
defense. That means that even if they're growing it, and we're kind of balancing that out by taking it away, like grooming. So in opposition to that, if you have a horse who's just living outside, has gotten used to being outside, and doesn't get brought in and groomed and ridden all the time, they might be able to grow this really nice toad and turn into like bully mammoths. And we see that even with the young horses who are coming from the track and have lived in Florida and all that, that they can grow toes. But if we're bringing them in and grooming them and riding them all the time, and by doing that, that means sort of taking away some of that coat and then you know, grooming them again as they're being cooled off and whatnot, that you have to consider the fact that, that they're going to have very likely different needs than the ones who are able to sort of keep on that undercoat that you're taking away. But then also think about like, if you don't have that much time to devote to grooming them and you're still planning on riding them, that it might make sense for you to just have a sheet on them. So maybe it's just for cleanliness reasons. Or if you know that you don't have a lot of time to devote to cooling a horse off, so maybe you need to clip them. Then of course, maybe throw a heavier blanket on them. Like there's so many different things to consider, but certainly the health of the horse is of the utmost importance. At the very base of it, you just have to consider being fair to them and just keeping them plain and healthy. And then I think that in this grains discussion, I can go in a million different directions of what a horse needs as far as blanketing or not. Horses are more adaptable than many people think, even thoroughbreds, but every horse is an individual and we do a lot of the influencing on what they need to stay healthy, what they need just for us to be able to interact with them and how we interact with them is going to change those needs. So I think just as far as it all goes, those are probably the things that I like to consider the most. As a general rule, if it drops below 40 degrees, it stays below 40 degrees consistently. So maybe not just like overnight. That's when we'll start throwing light blankets on the horses, especially if we're trying to put weight on them. We don't want them to be losing calories, just trying to stay at a neutral temperature. So certainly those guys are blanketed first. The ones who have a little more fat reserves, maybe they're having the latter end of the blanketing needs. But yeah, if it's below 40 consistently, we'll start to blanket some of them. But it really, we do it on an individualized basis, just like everything else. I think that's excellent advice. So you do not need to treat your thoroughbreds any differently than any other horse. Have some common sense going out there. And you know, if you're in wet weather, sheets always great. If it's nice out, it's sunny, but just brisk, they're probably going to be fine if they have their undercoats. Just keep an eye on them. So wonderful and, advice, uh, they, Sandra. They keep themselves warm by eating, moving around and eating. So it's like, it, it make sure that they have hay and water as always. So it's like, if you have them in a little dirt paddock and they don't have anything to eat, they're, they're not going to be able to stay warm the same kind of way. So it's all those sort of things. is like basic consideration, but it all goes to play into that same question of whether or not they need to be blanketed. I love it. That's great advice. Now, speaking of some fuzzy horses, let's get to our adoptable horse of the week, King Hendrick. He is such a cutie, just a chunky, beautiful bay. Yeah. And they, so this is definitely a horse who's had prematurely probably started to grow his coat out. Ready <laughs> for it already. This is a horse who is especially dear to me, I would say, because my personal horse is also sired by honor code. And 
on the toe tends to throw these very attractive sort of meaty, uh, chromey bay guys. And they have just such a, what I feel like is a very unique personality where they're really goofy and often sort of rambunctious when they're younger. And they mature into these really lovely, quiet, brave, usually very like beautifully moving huntery type horses. So I would say King Hendrick is absolutely no exception when you consider all those sort of things. And he's a pretty clean slate as far as his experience goes. He only had proved himself to not be a very competitive racehorse and had a tendon injury, which is why he was taken out of the trajectory to be a racehorse and he came to us. But what is also really cool in my experience with these on a toad horses is that they're so thinking sturdy. I think books to their benefit and their demise because they're so stoic. Even my horse, when he had a tendon injury, which is when he first came to new locations where I got him from, he was sound, you know, objectively sound in a vet exam. And then they ultrasounded him and were like, whoa, that's not good. So, I mean, similarly, King Hendrick is really quite sound, but he still needs some time to, to heal from his tendon. But I love getting a horse during that sort of final stage of rehabbing where they can start the rehab, but you you have to devote that time to getting to know them because you can't just jump into any sort of heavy work. So I think there's something really special to be said for, for when you're jumping in right at the end of that rehab phase or even earlier in it, you can really spend that time getting to know them and progressing with them. He's still in that rehab phase of things. This is a horse that I feel very confident given my own experiences with these kind of guys and even just knowing him that he's going to be an exceptional horse and he's just really fun to be around even now. He, he has quite the presence. Yes. Just even walking around, he just kind of struts like Absolutely. he knows the world is his. So, well, he is available on horseadoption.com. You can go check him out. King Hendrick, he's at the Lexington branch. You can see Leandra riding him on the videos and uh, he looks gorgeous. Yeah, absolutely. Check them out. All right, everybody. Thank you very much, Leandra. As always, it is a pleasure having you on. Thank you for joining us. And we'll talk to you again next time. Thank you so much for having me. You can find our show notes and links to today's guests on the website at retiredracehorseradio.com and like us on Facebook and Instagram. Search for Retired Racehorse Radio. You can be our listener of the week. Also, I have a Facebook page that has all my training stuff on it. It's Flyover Farm, Jamie Jennings, Certified Monty Roberts Instructor. And my email is jamie at horseradionetwork.com. You can email me at joy at horseradionetwork.com or find me on Instagram at the foodie equestrian. Thank you so much to our sponsors, Kentucky Performance Products, Arena Saddles, and Cashel Company. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Remember to set your goals high and love to learn from every ride. And spay, neuter, and geld. And be warm, guys. It's cold outside. <laughs> <laughs>